Welcome to season two of COVID-19 Public Health Policy and Culture. In these episodes, we share international stories about the pandemic around the world, what it looks like in everyday lives, as well as what it looks like from the eyes of researchers and professionals who work on the pandemic, on controlling the pandemic. This podcast is designed for information to be translatable. This podcast is designed to translate information from epidemiologists, emergency medical professionals, and those who do work on the front lines with the pandemic firsthand in everyday living and what it looks like in everyday family culture as an individual just living on planet Earth during this time. In these episodes, you will learn more about the pandemic and how to protect yourselves and others during this historic moment. Are you interested in learning more about how podcasting can help transform public health? The Public Health Podcast Network is on a national virtual tour to share the importance of podcasting for health equity. Would you like us to speak at your campus? Email info at publichealthpodcasters.com. Welcome to our new episode of COVID-19 Public Health Policy and Culture. I'm your host, Dr. April Moreno. We've had a very interesting year already. It's now April of 2021. We are turning the corner, as I mentioned, into season two of this podcast, where we have, we have some sense of what's going on with the pandemic. We have new vaccines that are available to us around the world. It's really interesting to me watching um, Spanish TV, Mexican TV, for example, where I'm seeing in Mexico that there are four different vaccines that are being distributed at the moment. Um, they've got Johnson & Johnson, they've got Pfizer, they've got Moderna, and then they've got the Sputnik. And then they've got one other one that I couldn't catch the name of. I believe it starts with a C. I couldn't read the small print on the screen, but they have four that they're currently distributing according to their public health agency. They've done a really good job sharing the stats on their slides every day in the news in the afternoons. They have different sets of stats that data points that they look at compared to what we look at here in the United States. They've talked about the cases of reported, cases recovered even, and then they talk about the deaths as a result of COVID. I hope you've been able to keep track of the different tiers and phases of what's going on in your location in terms of being able to get the vaccine. Over here, I believe today is a day that in Los Angeles or in California, that 50, age 50 and older are able to get the vaccine regardless of pre-existing health conditions. So that's good news. And if you're having trouble finding a site to get vaccinated, that's totally understandable. There are so many people interested in getting vaccinated, and then there are only a certain number of sites available and appointments available. So today, I'm really pleased to share the vaccinefairy.org website with you, because Caitlin Hertel, she has only run this site for less than two weeks, and already they've had thousands of people requesting assistance with getting their vaccine appointments. So she's doing an amazing work in the world, and... I wanted to share her story with you today. So we'll be talking to Caitlin Hertel of Vaccine Ferry. But before that, just wanted to share really quickly that we are now a proud member of the Public Health Podcast Network. And that is a new organization that is dedicated to local, community, global, and environmental health podcasters. It's a community and a network for people to get together and learn more about how healthcare and public health podcasting can transform public health and 
deliver more health equity in the world. So I'm really excited about it. Please visit publichealthpodcasters.com. And that is the address to the Public Health Podcast Network. I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to this episode of COVID-19 Public Health Policy and Culture, COVID-19 PPC. I'm your host, Dr. April Moreno. Welcome to season two, as we're talking about how we're dealing with this pandemic. We're now we're talking about the vaccine. We've had this discovery of the vaccines now. We're at turning the corner in terms of control of this pandemic, but uh, to see how we fit in with the race, with the variants, we'll see what the future holds for us. So today we're talking to Vaccine Fairy. I have the pleasure of speaking to Caitlin Hertel, and we're going to be talking about this organization that is out there to help you around the country to get your vaccine. This is a wonderful organization that I stumbled upon on Twitter. I was just really excited to find them. I am very excited to introduce to you Caitlin Hertel of Vaccine Fairy. Welcome. Hey guys, good to be here. Thank you so much for being here. And I know you guys are really busy with helping people get these vaccine appointments. I can imagine what that demand might be looking like for you <laughs> and what it's going to look like as everyone gets access to the vaccine in the coming weeks. How are you doing today? Well, I'm a little tired. Um, we tend to stay up and do uh, midnight drops for appointments across the country. I, as the, the founder and head fairy, quote unquote, I tend to stay up for all the drops. So that means even being in New York City, I stay up for the California midnight drop. So last night I grabbed a couple of seniors appointments at 3 a.m. So that was fun. But besides that, I am great. Happy to be here, happy to be talking about Vaccine Fairy and how it can help all of your listeners. Thank you. Bless you for your service and for founding Vaccine Fairy. Tell us where you're located, your background in terms of, you know, how you got to this point of Vaccine Fairy. I grew up in New Jersey. I moved to New York, I don't even know, maybe six years ago now. I went to school for history and classical studies, um, but quickly realized that I was very interested in technology. And so I ended up doing a tech boot camp and got my first job in tech. And I've been in tech ever since. Um, currently, I work specifically in the market research industry for a company called Lucid. I work as a senior integrations consultant. So basically I'm just tech savvy, not a coder necessarily, but definitely tech savvy. Through work and through personal projects, I've become pretty good at hacking together small projects with the help of others, of course. So I actually do have a, a co-founder, Daro, who is definitely more on the tech side. They just help when we need stuff on the site and the engineering stuff done that I necessarily can't do. So we kind of split the responsibilities that way. When the vaccine started coming out, I wanted to get one for my parents right away. And, and I started to like look into inspecting the webpage and like trying to get around the CVS jail that you would get thrown into or the Rite Aid jail that you would get thrown into and looking for ways to kind of get around the system. And I found a few tips and tricks and was able to, well, actually my, my sister got my, my parents, their appointments, which is the funny part, but I was able to learn a lot about the process in New Jersey, just through trying to get them appointments. And then my eligibility um, came up in New York state and the nightmare that was New York city in the beginning became my personal problem. And 
yeah, just working to try to find an appointment that was like not going to be three hours away. And, you know, I would have to travel on public transportation to get there because I wasn't comfortable with that yet. I just saw this, this need for help. Like if I'm 28 and I can't figure this out and I work in tech, what are our seniors going through right now? I wanted to start helping booking. So I started advertising on my personal Facebook that I could book these appointments in New York and New Jersey. And I had a list going. I mean, I had like 40 to 45 names at any given time. And then word was spreading, word was spreading, word was spreading. And I was getting out of state appointments. And I was like, okay, you know, we, I'll, I'll try it. I have to learn the state's eligibility rules, but I'll give it a try. And I, of course, would go in, learn the system, grab an appointment. And I myself, when I started Vaccine Ferry, had only booked in 16 states. Well, <laughs> yeah, when you hear where we are now, it's a, it's a small number, but I personally only had experience with 16 states. And, but I knew that each one of those 16 was, was different. I mean, some of them, you know, go by the state law. Some of them are governed by the counties and it's a really hard system to navigate in every state. And I came to learn that the system that was frustrating me the most, which was New York and New Jersey, is probably the best in the country, which is ironic. So, you know, you have all these New Yorkers complaining about, you know, how difficult it is. And then I have to say like, well, in DC, they don't even have appointments yet. You're just going on a list, you know? So it's all in perspective now, but at that point, yeah, I just, I had booked in 16 states about 300 appointments and it was getting to be too much. My waiting list was just like ridiculous. I spoke to my co-founder Daro and they told me, you know, we, we would need to make a site. We would need to make a form. It would all have to be secure, of course, because we're dealing with PII or personal identifiable information. And basically, Daro guided me in all the right directions. And on the, the night of the 16th, I stayed up all night and I coded the initial iteration of Vaccine Ferry and got a version up around 2 a.m. on the 17th. Um, so that puts us today at the exact 10-day mark. We've been live since then, and I really only thought that, you know, we'd have an appointment intake form and a volunteer form, and we'd get a couple volunteers. They'd probably be my friends. We'd have a lot of New York and New Jersey with the you know, occasional exception of a state here and there. But my vision for this was that we would have volunteers who specialize in every state. So it's not just like one volunteer trying to learn like five or six different systems. You know, we have someone in Florida who specializes in Florida. We have someone in Colorado who specializes in Colorado. And so that was really my dream and my vision for this. I never thought that we'd get there, but now we're currently in uh, booking appointments in 45 states. I would say we've come a, a long way. That's amazing. So are you literally telling me you started this about 10 days ago? Yes, 10 days ago. And you're booking appointments across the entire country almost. Yes. So that speaks to the huge need of what's going on, right? Yeah, we have about 3.8K requests right now in 10 days. And we've booked about half of those. So about almost 2000 we've booked now. We're kind of working on like a half, half model. So like half waiting, half booked, or, or sorry, half assigned, half booked. That's the model that we try to stick to before when we started ramping up really quickly um, because we caught on, you mentioned you found us on Twitter. We caught on on Twitter pretty quickly and we scaled and like didn't have enough people 
it was just me in the beginning in the database and I was doing, you know, name assignments. I was trying to make sure everything's secure. I mean, the biggest thing about this is this is people's personal information. I have a duty to make sure that it is taken care of and in the right hands. And so I have a rule. We don't let anyone into the database right now because of how big we are. We have four admins and those are the only people that have access to the information. Our volunteers get their names for booking and as soon as they make a confirmation, it's removed off of their machine. The only place that the information stays is within our secure database, pay out of pocket extra to have extra security around. But we know that that's a huge worry around booking appointments is the PII that's involved. Right. I think that's the big question that I have for you is like, how does this process work? I know it's going to be a complicated answer possibly because each system, I mean, I've booked in different counties of California and it's different. They're asking mm -hmm. for different types of information, request more information. Some request less information, insurance details, no insurance details. What is that process looking like? If you could share with us how this process works. Um, what types of information you've been able to request or collect from people for their appointments, for applying for appointments? And then how does it work in terms of those cell phone reminders and those email reminders? How does all of that work? If you were to go to vaccinefairy.org, you would see two buttons. One is book an appointment and the other one is to become a volunteer. If you go to book an appointment, it brings you to an appointment intake form. And that is essentially what we use to book you an appointment. And so we ask for the mandatory fields, our first and last name, date of birth, gender, phone number, email address, address, city, state, county, zip code, ethnicity, and then eligibility, which is really important. We need to know what phase they fit into for their state and then appointment preferences. So like if they know they can't make an appointment on a specific day, or if due to medical reasons, they need a Johnson & Johnson shot over Pfizer and Moderna, that's where they would um, put that. We have a referral source and then a pretty long certification that says that this information is correct, that you'll only disclose medical history to on-site providers, that you understand that this is not an appointment confirmation, it's just a request for a booking. And lastly, that they certify they will give us an email if they come across an appointment via another means so we don't book them to appointments. And so those are the, the mandatory fields. And, you know, I know that can be a lot. That can sound like a lot, right? In the wrong hands, birthday, address, all of that. You can do a decent amount of damage with that. Because of this, we wrote a privacy policy that states exactly how the data is used, where it is sent where it is stored and how it is destroyed. And so the main thing at Vaccine Ferry, the way that it works is you fill out the form. It goes into our secure database, which we have grouped by state. And so our volunteers come into our, we have a Discord server where we all speak to one another and they ask for names for a specific state that they specialize in. And mind you, these volunteers are now at 250. We have 250 across the United States working on this in 10 days. But yeah, they, they'll ask for some names and we have a way of just sending them that record. So they never see the rest of the database. They only get that one name and that one person's information. And the status of that record is set to assigned. 
as soon as they make the appointment and they change that status to confirmed, it disappears from their view and they're never able to see it again. So again, the only people that have access to the actual database are our four admins, myself included. It's never looked at by anyone else and it doesn't stay on anyone else's computers. And the other thing about volunteers is that they're vetted. I don't want to give away all my secrets, but we do look into volunteers. We look at like social media and things like that. And then once they come into our server where we all talk, they have to verify with us again before they can get access to the full server. So everything is vetted. Everything is surrounded with extra security. My partner in all of this, David, the other head fairy, is also into tech and stuff like that. And he's done a lot to ensure the privacy of our requesters. It is the most important thing to me, honestly, which is why I will not budge and let anyone else into the database that doesn't need to be there. How does this work in terms of reminders and appointments, are you receiving those text messages, those requests to like, hey, sign up for the app. Congratulations on your second vaccine. Are you getting those reminders each time from each patient? So we don't, we will put in their phone number if they provide it. Well, it's a mandatory field, so they will provide it, but we'll put in their phone numbers. The only time that I've had to use my own phone number and I do get those notifications is like if my personal appointments in the beginning when they weren't filling out a form that had like mandatory fields and someone forgot to send me their phone number, I'd put my own in, which not the best practice, but yeah, for a little bit there, I was spammed with quite a few appointment reminders. But yeah, if as an appointment booker now, we, we put in their information and so everything will go to them, email and phone. How has it been in terms of being able to get people's appointments? Have you seen more success in certain states? Have you seen more difficulty in other states? What has that process and the results of this search been like for you? It's definitely been so interesting just to see like how at different points we are across the nation. You know, we're talking about general availability in New Jersey within the next month. We're talking about general availability in Texas next week. It's wild, it's crazy, and it's terrifying. And it's just, there's so many things to take into account. And by far our most popular and busiest state is New Jersey. I think that has to do with the fact that both myself and David, our other head fairy, are both originally from New Jersey. So we have a lot of people kind of sounding the alarm about vaccine fairy over there. And then New York is a, a quick follower, but then we kind of skip over to California and Texas are big hubs for us as well, as well as Pennsylvania, Minnesota's pretty big, Florida's pretty big. Most states that you would think, Colorado as well, most states that you would think would have a lot of requests, we, we are seeing a lot of requests, but New Jersey and New York by far are um, our most busiest and most frequently requested. But the way that we deal with the, the different eligibilities is it's kind of hit or miss, right? We're just volunteers and we're not getting paid for this. Vaccine Fairies is a strictly not-for-profit business or organization. Don't even take donations, but we will steer them towards a charity of the volunteer's choice. That being said, we only have a limited amount of time and sometimes we do make mistakes and we will book someone who wasn't eligible and we'll have to go in and cancel that appointment. Or for instance, a pharmacy was maybe only taking seniors that day and 
we booked someone who had a comorbidity and then their appointment was canceled and they got upset. It's definitely a case-by-case basis, a state-by-state basis, and then sometimes a county-by-county basis. California is a great state to say, like, what the heck is going on? LA County, (laughs) yeah, they seem to be having a really tough time with that huge population as well. Yeah, Exactly. And, you know, we've heard the Bay Area has been very frustrating as well. I have questions. I know that we're just doing our absolute best to stay up to date. We have a volunteer wiki kind of thing. So we have all the Department of Health websites there for everyone to go in and check every day, see if anything's changed or anything's about to change. We also have in our Discord server, we have an appointment help channel, and we also have eligibility questions channel where we all help each other. And I think that's a really big thing for Vaccine Fairy is like David and I kind of run things along with our other two admins, Aaron and John. But beyond that, our volunteers help one another. We don't have to be there to kind of moderate and be like answering all the questions or doing everything. It kind of runs itself in a way. Yes, there is a ton of work and I'm up late nights and so is David, but we both work really, really well together. David was my very first volunteer that signed up and I was, he was just so gung-ho about it. I was like, come on board as a partner, man. So been me and him since then. And here we are 10 days later at almost 4,000 requests, you know, 2,000 book, 250 volunteers in 45 states. Amazing. Thank you for the work that you're doing. And I hope you get some good rest in the coming days, (laughs) find some time for self-care. I had another question about statistics. I want to hear some of the numbers in terms of types of populations and communities that you've been working with and helping, maybe some of the race ethnicity data that you've been able to pick up from the survey or from the form. I'm very curious to know in terms of what the need has been like. Actually, this is something that the admins and I have been talking about, as well as some interested volunteers. We know that there are underserved populations and communities. We also know that like right now is a time that our seniors really, really need attention. And the fact that, you know, we're moving along in terms of phases of eligibility when we haven't even finished our seniors yet is scary because we know that they can't get in themselves. We know that um, some of them have trouble with, you know, the booking sites. If I have trouble with them, they definitely have trouble with them. So we know that that's going to be a problem when all of a sudden the 16 and up group comes in. And then what happens to our seniors? You know, they're left without a shot. And so we definitely try to prioritize by age first. And then we do let the volunteers ask for specific things. So if they're looking for underserved communities or populations, we will like do a search for them on non-Caucasian or something else like that. The only problem is, is on our form, it's you can write whatever you want in that field. So we have so many different types of answers that I don't have statistics to fully share with you right now, but we are working on that. And the other thing that we actually just kind of started talking about yesterday is We do have a lot of volunteers who are actually located in areas that are underserved and not getting the vaccine. One that I'm thinking of is in uh, Pennsylvania where African-Americans are particularly having a hard time getting the vaccine or just getting the word out um, to that community is just not going well. And so we have that volunteer now volunteering to hand out flyers in the area and just kind of 
get the word out that way. I mean, we're doing that here in New York soon as well. We're going to be starting to hand out flyers and that just word of mouth and, you know, good old fashioned flyers is really how we're trying to tackle some of these areas that we know are underserved. But yeah, it's hard. It's really difficult. I would definitely say that um, majority of our base of requesters are white. And I would also say that I know for a fact that there's 58% female. I have that one. I I know that fact. Um, But beyond that, I, I don't have specific stats, but we do try our absolute best to prioritize those that are in need of the vaccine. Have you found some responses or requests in terms of healthcare needs or comorbidities that you've seen? Yeah, so a lot of comorbidities. However, we we do specifically state on our form that if they have a comorbidity to they don't need to list it. It's none of our business. You know, it if you fit into your eligibility, then we'll make sure that you get an appointment under that specific reason. Um, but we do try to keep that private. But if they do share, if they are comfortable sharing and it's a senior with a comorbidity, we're going to get them vaccinated first. It is a case-by-case basis, but it's also up to the volunteers and what their specific, what their missions are. I know what my mission is, but they also have their own individual missions to help um, different communities. So What's your mission? Uh, my mission is to just get shots in arms. I will say it all day long, shots in arms, shots in arms. That's my personal mission. But I also, I want to take care of those that I know can't do it themselves or have a a higher probability of not being able to do it themselves. So my personal mission has been to get um, seniors out of the way. So like last night at three, I cleared all of our 65 and over um, California residents. So we're officially done with seniors right now, as of now, (laughs) in California. I'm sure that'll change very soon. Yeah, so that's my personal mission. But I know everybody else is very. So, you know, we allow them to ask specifically for what they want in the names that they're assigned. The senior population is emerged. Like we said, there's a new senior every day. (laughs) I know a lot of the senior population also has disabilities just as part of the aging process. Curious to hear how people with autoimmune conditions and other disabilities might be able to get the help of Vaccine Ferry and how that's been working to this day? Yeah, so, so far we do have a lot of people that suffer from autoimmune diseases or other disabilities. And one of the the things that's best is we, we have a part of the form. So if you're unable to fill it out yourself, we have the place for the person who's filling it out for you to put their information in, in case we need to get in touch with them. You can always have someone else fill out the information for you if you need that. The other thing is we understand that there are certain medical conditions and reasons that you might need one shot over the other. We do take that into consideration at Vaccine Ferry. We can't guarantee that, you know, you're going to get that shot right away. So if you are specifically asking for Johnson and Johnson, Right now we have a waiting list in New Jersey, probably about 300 people, but that's because New Jersey didn't get their third allotment. Um, But we will do our absolute best if it's due to a medical reason and it's not just personal preference. We will not honor personal preference. We have a motto, you get what you get and you don't get upset. But that's specifically why we have a note section in the form for people to say, I need Johnson & Johnson due to a medical reason, or I need Pfizer due to a 
medical condition and we will honor that. It might take a few extra days just to, to make sure that we're guaranteeing that it is that vaccination, but we will still take the request and we will honor what you ask for. So we, we know that this, you know, even people who are allergic to certain things and one shot over another can be incredibly difficult to, to figure out what a site giving. So yeah, I would say for, for anyone who out there who needs a specific shot over another, definitely fill out the form on vaccinefairy.org and make sure to list that it's a medical reason and we'll, we'll take care of you. But just know it might take a few extra days to ensure 100% that we're getting you that vaccine. We don't want to send you to a Moderna site when you're allergic to Moderna. Can you tell us about some of the language factors that may come about with uh, requesting the vaccine? Have you had volunteers that have helped out in other languages as well? Yeah, so I actually, I'm conversational in Spanish. I wouldn't say fluent by any means, but can get by. And I saw very early on that we had emails where we had our live chat set up. We were getting emails in, in Spanish and, you know, I'm able to understand most of it reading, but I'm not very good at, you know, speaking back to someone. And so we do have a few volunteers who are bilingual, which has been super helpful. And we were able to get um, the form, the intake form completely translated into Spanish. And we also have our privacy statement written in Spanish. So those are the two languages we're utilizing now. We hope to be able to expand that as, as to as many languages as possible, but uh, English and Spanish were really our two main priorities in the beginning. We've learned about the work that you're doing. We've learned about how you help people. How can we help you? What is it that you are seeing in terms of needs for your organization, in terms of volunteers, in terms of anything else that you need to continue with the work of Vaccine Ferry? Yeah, so we need volunteers. I think as we scale, as as the eligibility opens up and we start to get more appointment requests, we're always going to need more volunteers. And the way to sign up is uh, vaccinefairy.org slash volunteer. But filling out that form, we'll contact you. We'll, we'll do our vetting, little vetting system and make sure you are who you say you are. And once we're satisfied, you'll get invited and kind of walked through our whole process. But volunteering is definitely one way we need help. And another way is just getting the word out there. We do have a Twitter account that I mentioned before that has been pretty, pretty successful. It's just at Vaccine Fairy. And really, we just we try to retweet as many people as possible. We've actually gotten a few retweets from a couple of celebrities. We ended up getting a vaccination for one of them, kind of nuts. But yeah, I think that's really the best way is to kind of scream it from the rooftops. Vaccine Fairy is, is getting appointments for anyone who comes through in within 48 to 72 hours with some exceptions, but that's our average right now. And we're 10 days in, over 2,000 shots booked. I mean, it's just amazing. The stats go up every day. My mouth drops every day. I start crying out of happiness every day. It, it's been a, a journey. These last 10 days have been crazy. I cannot imagine what it's going to look like as the states begin to open up and you know not everyone has technology access not everyone has access to the internet not everyone has that 
ability to work with a smartphone and so on. So I can't imagine what it's going to look like. I just can't. Yeah. So we definitely need to scale up on volunteers before that happens. So right. if you're even remotely interested. If you're not, it's maybe you're, you don't want to be an appointment booker. We have plenty of other things that need to be done. I mean, you can even send us an email, caitlin at vaccinefairy.org, and I can let you know exactly the things that we have to do. See if you're interested in helping with any of those. Thank you so much for joining us today for the podcast. And I just, I'm so excited to meet you. And I'm just really amazed by the work that you're doing and so very in awe of the work you've done in just 10 days. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's, it's been an adventure and I really have to say thank you to, you know, Daro, my co-founder and David, Aaron and John, my admin team and David being my partner in crime and all of this. And just thank you to all of my volunteers. I mean, there's 258 of them, I think right now, each and every one of them, whether they're booking three appointments at a time, or some of them are booking 15 at a time each one is important and each one is a step in the right direction of fighting this virus. So I like to say that the vaccine fairies are fighting COVID off from the comfort of our living rooms. Our mission is to, to try to get the world back to where it was, but just from our living room. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. So what advice would you have for someone as a closing thought here? What advice would you have for people in the world who are dealing with this pandemic, how do you get through this? I mean, don't give up. That's the biggest thing. Don't give up on getting an appointment. Don't give up on fighting, you know, wearing a mask and social distancing and washing your hands and sanitizing things. Just don't give up on it. Don't get comfortable just because there's a vaccine out there. This isn't going away anytime soon. We know that vaccine fairy, unfortunately, is here to stay right now. And we, we just want to make sure that everyone who possibly can, can get vaccinated. And yeah, my biggest advice is just don't give up on whatever it might be. If it's getting an appointment, if it's actually you're sick and you're actually fighting off the disease, you know, just don't give up that little bit of hope that you hold on to is worth um, its weight in gold. Stay hopeful, stay positive, and just don't give up. And we can get through this together because teamwork makes the vaccine work. Yes, teamwork makes the vaccine work and don't give up, never give up. Thank you so much for joining us today, Caitlin. And I look forward to doing my part here with my podcast and with my organizations, whatever I can to help support your mission. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And uh, yeah, everyone, go get your shots. Shots in arms. Shots in arms.